Let's cut to the chase, folks. Today, we're talking to a literal icon. Get ready. Anthony LaVaglia. Yes! Yes! For those of you who need a refresher, Anthony LaVaglia is the Adelaide actor who made it big in Hollywood Not easy, folks. Honestly, if you don't know who Anthony LaPaglia is, you are a psycho. Um, (laughs) But for a bit more info, as a kid, he was a whiz at soccer. But when he realized his dream of playing in Italy's Serie A wasn't going to happen, Tony skipped South Australia for the USA. Yeah, he was, interestingly enough, just quietly, kind of illegally in the country for a while. And he moved to New York and started going to auditions. And as you do, he pretended he wasn't a guy from beef acres in Adelaide, but an Italian from Brooklyn. Hey. What a genius. Over the years, he went from big parts to big roles in the US and in Australia. Mm-hmm. Tony Lapali has won Tony Awards for his stage work, but for me, he'll always be the dad in looking for Alabrandi. Mm. What does that mean to you? Because, I mean, it's just one of my favourite uh, Australian books and films, but that's for me sort of outside the community. How about you? Oh, the, imagine being inside. It's the best <laughs> thing ever. The movie, the book, it, like, touched my soul. I couldn't believe I was reading about stuff that I knew intimately mm. and could see myself in. Like, honestly, it, it's... Of its time, but it's also like timeless. Is that crazy to say? So literally talking to Anthony, um, I was starstruck. It was a pinch me moment. It was a dream. Yeah. No, you played it. You played it cool. You oh, did, did I? Good. I wasn't And you salivating. only cried once. once. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not that much for me in a day. My grandfather grew up in Bovolino. My father was born in, in Bovolino yeah. and grew up there. And then emigrated to, well, he didn't emigrate. He came, his two brothers and one sister had emigrated to Adelaide, Australia in the 50s. And he was the youngest of eight kids. And so (laughs) he he went to work as a mechanic when he was um, eight. Whoa. And yeah. Because, you know, they really had a lot of time for childhood back in the day. (laughs) No, no, no. Well, the South was really poor. Yeah. You know? Mm. Totally. So his mother had died and his father was, um, his father was kind of like this crazy guy who had wanderlust. Yes. He would pop out a couple kids and then he would take off and he would (laughs) go to, he was in, uh, he was in Africa because there's a lot of there was a lot of Italian um, um, what would you call them colonies what? in Africa mm. like Tunisia and all that kind of stuff. They were Italian colonies, and Italians would go out there to work to make money. And so he went to Tunisia, some other African colony, and then he went to he came to the United States. I actually found my grandfather um, in the Ellis Island files. Oh, <gasps> no. Coming over, yeah. I went, through, I went through the whole Ellis Island thing and found a record of my grandfather coming over. Um, I think when he was about, this is before he started popping out kids, um, when he was about seven, 17 or 16 or something. And then he came and he lived in New York. And then he went to live in Columbus, Ohio for a couple of years. And then he went back to Italy, went back to Bovolino, got married, and then started popping out kids, and then started going to Africa, and then he went to Australia, 
Wow. Um, and in Adelaide, actually. Um, and after all this stuff, he, my father grew up with my grandfather telling him all these stories. And he would say to him, never go to Australia. <laughs> never go to Australia, nothing there. Go to America, go to America. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, the other siblings didn't listen and they ended up moving to Australia. His um, two brothers and his sister. So my father, who at the time was about um, 21 or 22, was working for Fiat in Torino. Wow. As a mechanic. And um, he worked his way up from getting hit with a spanner in Bavolino. And he started working for the Fiat Motor Company in, uh, in um, Torino. And he came out to visit um, his um, sister and his two brothers, two older brothers and older sister. And then um, he, uh, he met my mother <gasps> and, um, and was a naughty boy. <laughs> was, was a naughty was a naughty boy and then had to stay wow he did the dirty the, thing and then he had to stay yeah you know yeah yeah he, you know he, he did the he did the italian folk dance and uh yeah got, <laughs> the tarantella he did yeah he got in trouble that's and, uh, so back funny. then you know like you had you, you got married Absolutely. Yeah. And then now we've heard all about your like interesting grandfather and your father. And I'm sort of like spiraling, just trying to, oh, well, there's well, so many things. No, don't you <laughs> shut your mouth. You keep it open and you oh. keep gabbing away. <laughs> there's just, I wanted to, I guess my question was like, I wonder why Adelaide, do you know anything about why that Honestly, spot? no offense to anybody in Adelaide, but I have no idea why. Yeah, yeah. We're all like, <laughs> I have why no Adelaide, idea. guys? No, 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 no offense no to offense. Adelaide. It's a lovely place. It's a lovely I, place. From the time I was like, honestly, 14 or 15. Yeah. I just wanted to get out. I, that is my next question. I wanted to know about you growing up in Adelaide. Um, oh. So that's so interesting to know. Well, first I want to know, like, growing up, like, how did your Italian father and I guess also with your mom, like how did that influence you? Like what, what were you speaking it? Did he speak to you? Did you speak it no, back? No, because speak my English? mother's Dutch. My yeah. mother's Dutch. And so my, my aunt, who I stayed with quite a bit, she would always try to speak Italian. So I have the Italian of like, honestly, a three or four year old. Wow. I can understand. I can, you know, I yeah. can understand a little bit. And I'm too embarrassed to ever really speak it. Oh my god, me too. I have vocabulary, you know, the equivalence of a three or four year old. Yeah. Um, if I'm around it enough, I can start. I know when they're calling me an asshole. I know when, <laughs> you know, I I know when I owe them money. Um, <laughs> the important things. Kind of it's the important stuff. Yeah. You know, to help you not get not get shot. Yeah. Um, Survival only. Yeah. Um. And, but my father was a super traditional Italian yeah. father who um, who tried. He, look, he was the, when when my father immigrated and ended up emigrating to Australia. The Italians were still they were bottom of the food chain. Italians and Greeks were bottom of the food chain in Australia, and they were treated accordingly. And if you were the child of an Italian immigrant, you either 
you either lent into it and went with it, or you did everything you could to separate yourself from it. And I fell into the second group more. Yeah. I lent more into trying to separate myself from it. So I didn't really want to learn how to speak it. Yeah. I didn't really want that much to do with the culture of it. Mm-hmm. And even though I, I, re- I remember really enjoying the culture of it because yeah. when I went to my aunt's house, you know, you would walk through the front door. Outside the front door was Adelaide, Australia. Inside, it was just Italy. Oh, my from, God. To, from the plastic covering the furniture. No. To, yes. to the backyard where they had a bocce, they had yes. a bocce court. Oh, my God. And they Concrete had, everywhere. And, and every year as kids, we would go over and crush the grapes in the backyard. They made homemade wine. Wow. And um, they did all the preserving of the green tomatoes mm-hmm. and the chilies. And the, yep. they grew all that stuff in the backyard. So it was like, honestly, they never learned to speak English. They couldn't be bothered. No. They lived in their hmm. tight, small Italian community where they were. Yeah. I'm trying to remember where it was exactly, but it's a long time ago. Yeah. But it was very Italian. Like they lived there. My, the, my, my aunt's brother-in-law lived two houses up. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, they, they all lived next door to That's each other. That's so crazy. That's the same with my family. It's like one's around the corner, none daughter's around the corner. My great-grandmother, she's around the corner from her daughter. Like, I forgot, yes, that they want to be close. They're in their little... Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, and, and I remember that one of, one of my relatives, I think through marriage, he would sit on the front porch playing the piano accordion and stuff. Wow. I mean, it just sounds like it's, it sounds like a bad like <laughs> a bad version of the Godfather, but it was. <laughs> but but also there was that element, you know. My dad, my dad was a very uh, keen, quite a keen gambler. Mm. Um, he liked the racehorses and he liked cards, and so we had a lot of interesting characters around the house a lot of the time. <laughs> um, but he was, a, you know, he was a super hardworking guy. He was, I mean, I remember him just like being covered in grease uh, as a kid. I wanted to ask because you know how you were talking about how you were like, and I could relate to that of like not wanting to lean in to your Italianness <laughs> and like trying to assimilate right. and that was survival for you at that time. I was just sort of thinking, you know how lots of people who, who do that, like I was too shy to speak the language and – Stuff like that. And then as you get older, you sort of like want to it. return. Yeah, you regret it and you want to go back and start reconnecting and holding on to your culture. Is that something that you have yes, started to absolutely. do now? That's totally yeah. what happened with me as I got older. Yeah. You know, and- the weird thing about moving to America was that when I moved to New York and Italians were kind of, it was a great thing to be an Italian in New mm. York. And so I kind of reconnected with because growing up, you know, as a kid, it was like you just got shit all the time for for mm-hmm. being a, a wog or a dagger or a spick or whatever they whatever the the the, the adjective of the day was. Um, and when I got to New York, it was uh, oh hey you're dying fantastic come here. <laughs> so um, I really I um, from that point on I went something in me clicked. I went no you shouldn't be ashamed of your heritage. Other people made you ashamed of your heritage. Mm-hmm. And you should actually 
get back in touch with it. And so I started to really reconnect with it and really reconnect with the Italian side of, because that's what I identified with the most, I think. Not the Dutch side. I identify with the really? Italian side way more. Yeah. Wow. You are, you know, the Lapalia name is like you're an icon of Italian Australian success and also just Australian excess uh, success. Well, but excess um, is right, I think. Oh my God. Sorry. <laughs> oh my God. Actually, well, I, think, I, I stand excess by is it. A... I stand by it. I mean, you had a horse yeah. and carriage in your life, for God's sake. Yes, I had um, a horse and carriage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was just going to say, did you have any. I'm guessing the answer is no here, but did you have any Italian Australian that you looked at, that you could have looked up to as a kid? Um, I'm trying to think of, it, of like Italian Australian actors at the time. I, most of them, and I'll be the first ones to tell you, were relegated to playing Joe the Fruiter, Fruiterer mm. on Number Ninety Six. I mean, wow. that was kind of it. They were given all stereotype type roles. Ah, he's the local wog that sells bananas. Fantastic. It was kind of, that's what I grew up with. And so when I kind of started thinking about acting, I didn't really see mm. a path. I didn't see a real path for someone like me to succeed in, in Australia. I think that's changed now. But when I first started getting the idea, oh, acting might be something that I want to try, I just looked at the landscape and thought, not here. There's wow. Just, I, I, I mean, can you think of anyone? Mm-mm, no. I'm trying to think of someone. I think from yeah. looking for Ella Brandy, and that's that's what I've got. And well, I'm, trying that, to think of somebody my, I'm trying to think of somebody yeah. my age or older than me. Yeah, yeah. I, and there, I, were, there were people that did work, but they were always in usually smaller roles and usually completely stereotypical, mm. you know, the, the walk mm. in the neighborhood kind of roles. And um, mm. I don't think there was anybody that was – you know, getting the lead roles or getting good supporting roles in in film or television in Australia at the time. So it was it wasn't hard to make the decision that if mm. I was going to do it, that I'd have to go somewhere else to do it. Mm. And so it's kind of a fascinating thing reflecting on 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 your life story. How just as your parents were immigrants, you've gone through very much. An immigrant experience, you know, in order to make it or, or, or to make very acting I'm, your- look, the, the only thing that I'd say was tougher was the language barrier for for my dad in particular. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't imagine having that on top of because when I moved to the when I moved to the United States, I didn't know anyone. I didn't have uh, any family or any friends here. I also didn't have any money. Mm. Um, mm. I just made that young guy decision, you know, at 20, ah, it, what could go wrong? <laughs> Reflecting on the, the diaspora when you, when you came to the United States between the, there's a big Italian diaspora in Adelaide and likewise big in, in New York. What, what kind of distinctions did you see there or did you find that it was quite interchangeable? A lot of people had the same plastic on the couches and with a bit of yes. change of accent, yeah, yeah, you were yeah, able yeah, to yeah. slide in. The only change, of, uh, the only change was, and I mean, I'm really looking at it in a more philosophical way, is that there'd been more time here in the United States and that the Italians who had, they were a generation along, but the Italians that had got here earlier were also treated badly. You know, I think mm. 
the, the, the bottom of the rung, say, in the late 1800s, 1900s, was the, the, the Chinese, the Irish, and the Italians. They were bottom of the mm. social ladder. In Australia, the, the Chinese quite hadn't made the trip yet, um, and so it was the Greeks and Italians. Um, after I left, I think it then became a bit more – and here's the worst part, is that Italians – I can't speak for Greeks, but Italians are the worst. The minute that there is somebody that can displace them from being on the bottom, they will <laughs> jump on the bandwagon <laughs> and become more racist towards the you know the sub the subgroup than and they should know better because they were mm-hmm. the victims of it. But they're so happy not to be on the bottom rung anymore that they you know they're, they're they're actually the more intelligent way of saying it is that their desire. My my feeling growing up was the Italians and Greeks that I knew desperately wanted to integrate, with the exception of my family maybe, the majority of Italians <laughs> and Greeks that I knew desperately wanted to integrate into Australian culture. And they were, they were kind of strong-armed out of it a lot. And um, mm. I know my father was. Um, you know, I saw him make many attempts to kind of integrate more into Australia. He took English lessons, so he, so his English was better. Um, he he tried to make Australian friends. In fact, my parents did have Aussie friends, um, whereas a lot of Italians wouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there were there were there were Italians and Greeks that were quite keen to m- move into Australian society, but it was made very difficult for them to do so. And now when I go back, I see that it's just, it's much more of a melting pot. It's just so much more accepted. It's completely yep. accepted now. In fact, the, 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 the much smaller percentage is trying to find a real diet in the wool Aussie. That's the shrinking yeah. percentage. <laughs> you know, good luck. Swing a stick. Try and find like a full-blooded Aussie now. Because mm, now you have the real diaspora of yeah, um, which is what to me Australia is really one of the things that's great about Australia is it is a, a cultural melting pot. What and and sorry, this is a story you've 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 articulated many times before, but we've got okay. two very big fans of, of the show. Um, uh, what what do you think David Chase saw in you when he was first shopping around the Sopranos and, and your name became firmly attached to it in the early days? Let me start up by saying, made the right choice. He went with Jimmy Gandolfini and that show without Jimmy Gandolfini would not have been the same show. He was the perfect guy to play that role. No, da- I disagree. It should have no, been you. No, I no, think no, it's no, in the no, toilet. No. I refuse no. to watch Jimmy, it. I'll yeah. never Jimmy, watch it again. Jimmy, now I know this. Jimmy was amazing. <laughs> Jimmy was amazing, and and it would not not have been anything close to the same had I done it. So everything works out for a reason. And 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 more or less, what had happened was that I had attached to it with David Chase, and we had together, taking it to several places that had turned it down and said no. Hmm. And that had taken about a year or so of time. And then I had committed to doing View from the Bridge. And um, 
And at that time, I think things had started to break down between David Chase and I. Um, to be perfectly mm. honest, I think that they had just, mm. because we had been other places with it and nothing had really happened with it, the communication started to break down a bit. And I think that he may have had a change of heart, which is, it, it happens. It's totally fine. And and I think that J- Jimmy may have come into, into, his, into his sights and he went, that's a better choice for me. And, 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 and at the time, it was, I will tell a funny story about it. At the time, that was cool with me because nobody knew what that was going to be. But I remember um, I went on and I did View from the Bridge. And at the same time, mm. this is how small the, like the, the acting world is. At the same time, so I'm, I'm, we're getting ready to do View from the Bridge and we're auditioning for the part for B, who plays my wife in View from the Bridge. Mm. And um, um, Allison Janney, it was down to Allison Janney and Edie Falco oh. to play oh. to play <laughs> B. And I don't know how it went down, but it went it went to Allison Janney, which left Edie Falco free to go and do <gasps> The Sopranos. Right? Had she gotten the role, she wouldn't have been free to do The Sopranos. And so, um, then it's, you know, life goes on, and the play is going on, and I'm just pretty Im- Im- immersed in the play. It's you know, it's eight shows a week. It's a big show. It was hard to do, but I do remember about six months into the show, coming out of the theater one day, and looking at a bus, and on the side of the bus was this huge poster of a gun that said "Sopranos" <gasps> over the top of it. <laughs> And I looked at it and I went, oh, wow, that's going to be a big show. <laughs> I just remember. I didn't think, I just remember thinking, oh, wow, that thing really is going to be a big show. Well, and, like, I remember, and I remember being happy for David Chase because I know that in that year that we had tried to shop it, it had been really difficult. Mm-hmm. No one was really interested wow. in it. And so... Look, we both got success out of our different paths. It didn't, it oh. didn't mm. in the end, it, in the end, you go the path you're supposed to go on. Edie Falco, yeah. where she was supposed to end up. Alison Jennings that, had a fine career and my career has been okay too. That's so, so beautiful. That's such a beautiful, positive show business story. Well, you have so to remember it all works out in the end or <laughs> things that are meant to happen, happen, I guess. Listen, I could be in Adelaide selling shoes for a living. Not that there's anything yeah. wrong with that, but that no. was kind of like one of my options, you know? Yeah. And, mm. and, and everything from that point on in my life is just gravy. And I really mean it. I'm not just saying it. I really mean that like I'm extremely to this day grateful for the career that I've had. Some of it's been really good. Some of it's been shit. You know, you're hot. You're 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 hot. You're not. Uh, I've been you're hot. You're not twelve times in thirty years. You know, I've been told by people. Um, I remember once I was I wanted to change agents, and um, um, ah yes, and I had a had a uh, like an intermediary a person go to this other agency that I was interested in going to 
to find out if they'd be interested in representing me. I won't tell you who they were. Um, and so I didn't hear anything from my friend for a couple of days. And then um, she called up and she said, do you want to hear what they had to say? And I said, sure. And she said, the exact words? I said, yeah, the exact words. So this will be nice. Uh, this will be something and, sweet. And yeah, by, by then I was already, I was ready for it. And when she said, their exact words were, that ship has sailed. So, <gasps> so, so, wow. And this was um, eight, nine years ago. So the ship still hasn't, oh. that ship might have sailed, but it hasn't, hasn't. It hasn't the ship hasn't port- crashed. It, it the hasn't ship sunk. is still the, sailing. The ship, okay? hasn't, the, ship, the ship didn't sink. So, but I'm just saying that you get that. That's one of, uh, honestly, 10 stories I could tell yeah. about the mm. ups and downs of a career. Oh my God. I just like that story because I like that line. That ship yeah. has sailed. Mm. And that was probably about nine, eight or nine years ago. And, I guess the, 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 the takeaway from the story is, is that lots of people have lots of opinions about you yeah. and about your career mm. and about like, mm. and some people who are really close to you, you find out like down the line, they've written you off too. And as long as you mm. don't write you off, as long as you don't let that noise get in your head, but, but you know what? It's good for people that, that, that say are in industry or thinking of getting in, into the industry. You are going to get rejected. Yeah. You, and you just have to like, honestly. Yeah. I, I don't know how you get, you have to work out your own process for dealing with it. Yeah. But it isn't, I can tell you it isn't personal. No. Most of the of time they don't not. even know yeah. you. So how can it be personal? It's just a question. Sometimes, Absolutely. sometimes they want a blonde and you're a brunette. Yeah. Sometimes they want somebody five yeah. foot ten and you're five foot three. Sometimes it just, it, uh, yeah. Uh, it's you, it, and you're right. It like all figures. It all figures itself out. And and it's so funny because right now they're I don't even know if you know this, but Australia they're audition they're making an Australian The Office, and so literally every person right now is auditioning for this thing. Right. And these only come, and I'm more a comedian than I am an actress. So it's interesting to hear because acting is way, whatever. And so I was auditioning to this. A comedian takes a lot more. I could never walk on stage by myself and do a set. (laughs) I couldn't. I need Uh, a script, man. You know, like, like, I have a lot of, I have a lot of admiration for comedians. I think it's a really tough gig, tougher than acting. that's so funny. I think what you do is so much tougher and like no. learning the lines and then throwing it away and the being yourself, but not, oh, I'm like learning. Listen, That's being so funny, fun. Being funny <laughs> is hard. Like I've been to, I've been to see comedian. Have you ever watched, I'm sure you have. Have you ever seen a comedian die on stage? Uh, yeah. Have I been the comedian die? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Is there anything worse? <laughs> No, no, there's absolutely I've not. I've been to bad plays and I've seen bad <laughs> plays die on stage. And you're kind of, all right, it died. But watching somebody by themselves up there. Yeah, it's hard. We stage, all feel it. It's just like I couldn't I couldn't deal with it. I couldn't do yeah. it. Yeah, that's so, so interesting. So, you know, I'll just get my hat out, cap off to you. <laughs> it's- <laughs> Cheers. Oh, that's yeah. so interesting. No, but it's so, I don't know, I – could keep talking, but again, it was like I mean, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to keep going with this interview, but I would. No, 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 do it's so nice I mean. to hear you talk about all this stuff. 
Especially because like, I I don't want to cry, but like you, um, just, you know, when you like, don't see a path and you just did it. And I, and I was going to ask you this, like, cause for ask me, me like, in my, ask me whatever you want. Oh, thank you. Sorry. I don't know why I'm crying. <laughs> ask me whatever but, like, you want. For my family, like doing performing arts and like doing comedy or whatever was like never on the table. My father was so, so strict. He was like a violent, bad man, but Mine like also too. good. Mine loved was me. Too. Oh my God. So, and so that was like part of my like journey was like, I wasn't living the life that I wanted. And so it was just really so beautiful to hear the like risk you took. And it's sort of like me doing comedy, like no connections, didn't see a path, just like was like, all I want to do is make people happy. Like that's just in my soul. And you know how hard, I know how hard that is to do. I had to move 12,000 miles away to do it. And that to me is even crazier that you were like, yeah, I'm moving from floor shame here. To the US, I'm gonna I just work here in audition. I couldn't, I couldn't have done it within the eyesight of my father. He had an absolute yeah. shit fit when he found out what I was doing. I I was shit gonna fit. ask you. Yeah, yeah. he absolutely was. I appalled. was like, he must have been so strict, and he was so. Oh yeah, and he was a hitter, and he was you know, yeah. he was old school Italian. That's it. Know? And he didn't show business was like for fairies, you know, <laughs> yes. as, as as he put it. <laughs> What the f are you doing? It's for fairies. Um, yeah. Um, and so totally. He never, really, he never really, he used to say to me, they're paying for this shit. This is what he, this was the whole <laughs> thing. He used yeah. to say to me, he used to say to me, it's not a man's job. Oh my God, of course. Yeah. 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 And it's so funny, it, it conversely, of it being like shaming you, you're a man going to show business. When I told my father, I was like, doing comedy he was like oh you're gonna be like a whole comedian oh. like you talk about your pussy and your disgust and he just like said all oh the most vitriolic heart because it, i know he was just reacting because he's like you're not doing what you're supposed to do i paid private school for you to like be a, a lawyer or a doctor or an engine whatever the same, fuck. And it, can i tell you what we might be yeah. 40 years apart it's the same yeah. journey yeah it's the same totally i'm sorry it, i'm it, sorry you have to go through that or had to go through it i don't know if you're still going through yeah. it but you probably will have to go through it for a while. Yeah, totally. He's never, he's never I, really listen. If you're anything like my dad, he's never really going to accept it. No, um, but it's okay mm-mm. as long as yeah. you you have to like listen. What I used to say to him was, "Hey, you chose. You made every decision to live the life that you're living, good, bad, or indifferent. You made your own mistakes. You have to let me make mine." Real nice. So I drop out of the conversation for like literally three minutes and you end up getting a life changing <laughs> pep talk from Anthony bloody LaPaglia. I know my life is crazy, but honestly, for context, um, at the time we recorded this, I was going for this role and I was feeling a bit of self doubt. Like I hadn't done that much acting before. And this man swooped in and just made me cry with his beautiful advice and his like support and kind words. And I didn't get the role. Um, but thank you anyway to Anthony LaPaglia. I hope we can do it again sometime. Yeah, absolutely. Next time, Anthony and Vince Colosimo. We got to oh, imagine that. Boy. Oh, boy. Oh, mamma mia. Oh, mamma mia. I reckon he'd be oh up my for God. it. Let's, hey, let's, I'm up for it. Let's let, make it let's happen. Let's it up with Joe Avati lurking, <laughs> lurking backstage. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> anyway, anyway, look, I'm, I'm genuinely glad you had a, a good time with a, you know, a great guy like Anthony, as, as did I when I was there. <laughs> um, it was a special moment. 
And we're coming up to a special moment because, Conchetta, this is your last segment on the podcast. Next episode to round out the season once and for all, Dr. Tom and I are going to catch up. So it's nothing personal, but look, Frank, we just couldn't afford you anymore. We ran out of cash. Yeah, well, $10,000 a minute isn't um, cheap, oh, and I understand that, but, you know, you've got to say what you're worth. <laughs> um, look, in all seriousness, it has been a thrill to be able to talk to these amazing people and to do it alongside you. What a freaking journey it's been. Absolutely. It's um been great and we've loved having you. We've loved getting to know more about you and Australia and Italy at the same time. Thinking through all our guests, all the stories, all the endless hours on this obscure piece of software record this thing on called Riverside, what <laughs> message do you hope this series will put out into the world? What vibes, what, what, what culture will it bring to the universe? Let me think in my big, beautiful brain. I hope people walk away from this thinking. Italy rocks. Um, that's mm. what I, no, no, I don't know. I, I hope people gain something from these beautiful conversations with these beautiful, interesting people. And maybe they think about themselves and their identity and their background and their connection to place or just go on a holiday to Italy, yeah. whatever. It's all a win-win. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> right, if, we, if we can get one person to change their holiday destination from like Croatia to Italy. Yeah, I think we've, we've won. We've won. <laughs> Not that you can win a podcast, but we win. It's been it's been worth it. So for all those you know um, Italian tourist operators that might see a you know one tenth of one percent little jump next summer season. Yeah, that's us, baby. That's us. Next episode, I catch up with our colleague Dottore Tommaso Goi. He's left Italy and he's now back in Australia, and he has a very Italo-Australian tale to tell about a very important person in his life. But before then, though, please do subscribe to Diaspora Italia on your favorite podcast platform of choice. And if you could leave a five-star review, that changes the review game because it goes like this. Conchetta was breathtaking and the podcast game will never be the same without her. Enough said. <laughs> Peace. Ciao, tutti.